Hello and welcome to the Engineering YouTube and podcast. I'm Paul, your host. This podcast is all about Porsche and the cars and the people and the technology and the engineering that goes behind it. You'll find your Porsche stories, which is us, me, talking to you about your Porsche, your journeys and your life experiences with those cars. Tech Talk, which is all about the technical aspects of Porsche. Waffle, which is just me whistering on about basically anything with some friends. And Heritage, which looks at the entire journey of Porsche from the earliest days to the present day. If that sounds interesting to you, then stick around. Welcome back to the Engineering YouTube and podcast, and welcome to episode 30. Um, it's a nice feeling hitting a, a number like that, 30. It feels like it's gone from being a sort of just a, a thing that I'm trying out to, no, no, this is actually going somewhere now. So, um, yeah, 29 previous episodes, lots and lots and lots of content for you to go back and listen to if you're just new to the podcast. And if you are new to the podcast, welcome. So, um, this is Your Porsche Stories episode. Uh, so, there is a relatively short Your Porsche Stories episode coming up, but for the intro and for the sort of pre waffle bit part, I guess, um, there's quite a bit to update on as well. So, in no particular order, but um, all interesting. The first bit I'm going to talk about is my uh, Euro trip from last year, 2023. And there's a um, YouTube video out on the YouTube channel at Reengineering right now that you can go watch. Uh, and 17,500 people have also watched that video. And that's my Porsche story. So that's me talking about my reason for doing a road trip around the south of France into the Alps. Um, and the fact that it started off being a load of us. And then typically what happens with people that are in their kind of late 30s, early 40s, um, you know, there's commitments, family commitments, whatever the reasons are, uh, and it ends up being just it ended up being just me, and I had to really think about whether I was going to do that trip um, on my own or whether I was going to um, you know just pause it and come back another time. Um, so that was last year, and then I started thinking about well, what's 2024 going to look like in terms of a road trip? Um, and I'm pleased to say I've booked that road trip now. So on the 22nd of April. I'm jumping on the Euro Tunnel again, and I will head back into France. But this time, I'm going to be taking a route uh, into Belgium first uh, to visit Bastogne because I'm a massive Band of Brothers fan. And then from there, I'm heading off to Germany to the Nurburgring. Um, who, and I just absolutely adore the Nurburgring. It's been ten years since I last went, um, and kind of that ten-year anniversary. It just, it can't, I can't believe it's ten years, but it is. Um, but there's a really interesting story that that supports the reason for me doing that and a bit of a um, a point to prove because the first Nürburgring trip was a total disaster. I mean, when I say disaster, I didn't make it 20 minutes from home before the car I was in, my previous kind of project, I guess, uh, the Lotus Elise that uh, Series 2 that I'd had broke down. And not just broke down as in something you can quickly fix on the side of the road. Fairly catastrophically broke down and meant that I had to limp. And I do mean limp from uh, Sirencester in the UK, which is in Gloucestershire near the Cotswolds, uh, all the way through to the Nürburgring itself. I'm not going to share the entire story because I want people to go watch the episode when it goes out. Um, 
but it's full of disasters. I've probably got some old photos kicking around from the event and from the time. It caused an awful amount of stress. Um, but going back all this time later in the car that I've already proven uh, that can do these sorts of journeys uh, and do them in relative comfort and you know with a lot of enjoyment and then go and earn my lap um, on the Nürburgring. Not planning on doing any huge kind of crazy sort of lap times or anything like that. As I've said lots of times before, my 2015 981 Cayman is a road car. It's not geared up to be a track car, but it's perfectly capable of doing a lap or two. Um, so that's the update on my Nürburgring trip and what's going to happen for this year's kind of big um, sort of feature length episode, I guess. Next up, I'll talk about the... Um, in fact, I've, I've sort of continued that modifying theme. This At the moment, what you'll see on YouTube if you head over there is the REM build series. And that's me talking about kind of um, REM builds in itself is everything to do. Every build that happens on the Engineering YouTube and podcast um, goes into that REM builds kind of series. But at the same time, what I didn't want to do is neglect my own uh, Porsche Cayman and start talking about some of the things I've changed on that car. The reasons why and what's worked and what hasn't. Um, the first phase, if you want to call it a phase of those episodes, really just looks at like what the ownership experience was like after four years, why I sold that car and then why I bought a 911 Carrera T and then sold that Carrera T and went hunting for the, my actual, not just a another Cayman, but my exact Cayman. Um, so those episodes are already out anyway, so you can go and watch those and I can you can kind of get the download of, of what my thinking was at the time. But I, there, a lot happened between getting that car back and now. Um, so I'm catching everybody up basically on to bring everybody up to speed so they know, so you guys all know what I've been up to and you can give me my, give me your feedback on whether you like those changes, whether you don't like them or what you think the future plans should be. One of those things is uh, titanium wheel studs. Uh, what I, I'm because I'm a, I'm a reasonably fanatical car cleaning guy. I'm not a mega detailer. So I haven't got this, you know, a, a huge amount of kit, but um, I do take pride in keeping the car in as great condition as possible. Still use it, clearly, because I'm driving around the, Europe in it, but at the same time, it's important to me that that car doesn't just get, uh, you know, abused and ignored. Um, I really love it. I really love it. So, but with these all these things, I kind of ask myself the question with any modification, what's the problem I'm trying to solve? As an engineer, that's typically where you start, right, is... There's no point in doing something unless you're making an improvement or you're um, trying to change something to support something else and enabling something. Um, but titanium wheel studs, you know, let's face it, they're pretty kind of relatively unnecessary. Um, the problem I'm trying to solve is I like taking the wheels on and off quite frequently to clean the arches out and, you know, to, to clean the wheels properly, all that sort of stuff, or if there's going to be a brake change or something. Um, and they're not the, you know, 20-inch wheels, uh, pretty chunky tires they're not the easiest things to lug around so getting them on and getting them aligned and putting the wheel box back in um, it's, it's not tricky but it's just it's a bit of a faff <laughs> that is the worst man maths ever isn't it it's a bit of a faff to get some wheels on so i'm gonna go buy wheel titanium wheel studs that's the plan that's what i've done anyway so i've already ordered them that's the problem i'm trying to solve is just making life a little easier for myself yes i know you can go and get one of those screw in kind of uh, i think even porsche do them uh, they just aid the wheel going on, but hey, if you're going to do it, do it properly. Um, so that's cool. They've arrived. I'm going to try and do that. And of course, I'll shoot um, some time lapses and kind of what my thoughts are. 
But what I'm also doing, what's quite interesting, I think, and I've not seen this really anywhere, um, is in these YouTube videos, I'm kind of not only just showing some of the process and what, what I'm thinking at the time, but actually reflecting on what's happened to those parts since in that kind of 12, 18 month period between fitting stuff and looking back at it. Um, and just being really honest about whether things have worked, whether things have kind of aged well, whether the quality stood up over time, um, really to hope that actually when I talk to you all about this stuff that you can learn from my mistakes. You know, that's what a good big part of re-engineering is about the transparency element. And when we come to the REM 550 build, um, you can get to see all of that in its fullest transparency, all the lumps and bumps. Um, the product at the end is going to be amazing. I know that already, but I'm, I'd be an, an idiot to think that it wouldn't be difficult to get there. But I think it's really interesting to actually show some of the failures and you know what we've done to kind of get past those failures. Again, typically you don't see that on YouTube. What you see is you know a time lapse and then someone drives out a team style in this kind of amazing piece of equipment. And actually, the reality is it's been hard work, tears, blood disagreements financial woes bad decisions you know there's all sorts of stuff that goes into making something like that it's just not really that it's not just not shown because people want instant hits of finished stuff well if that's what you're after with engineering you're on you're not in the right place um if you want the kind of 400 page piston heads thread or uh, jalopnik thread then yeah you're in the right place um so that's the titanium wheel studs and the, you know some of the feedback around my videos that have just gone out it's just crazy so what's happening to the i mean look it's it's winter time so i get it but seeing a twenty thousand sub twenty thousand pound boxster 981 at ashgood so we're not talking about on the private market here we're talking about a um in fact one of the best really retailers of used porsche in the UK market and I just I saw I mean yes it's Miley right and it's not the greatest spec in the world but even if you got a really low spec car with a ton of miles these miles, these cars can do loads of miles right and they and they even if you don't have the best spec in the world lots of the stuff you can kind of retrofit or you can kind of upgrade and especially if it's it's done quite a few miles that you're not really it's not a collector's car right you're not going to be able to sort of stick it in a box and wait for it to be inflation these this is a sort of car you jump in and use and enjoy so sub twenty thousand pounds i don't even know what the translate i'd be interested to hear from people in other countries whether they can get anywhere near that i know for a fact in australia the idea of a i don't know forty thousand dollar uh 981 boxer people would be buying eight of them so um yeah that's what the uk market's looking like at the moment for porsche but it's just that's staggering in terms of um, a value proposition so i don't know what it's where it's going to go i think probably we're in that place of the 981s starting to go into kind of neo classic it's not new it's not that old it hasn't kind of found its classic sort of vibes and niche again and it's not brand new like the 718 so that kind of awkward teenage years i guess be fascinating to watch what happens it makes no often odds to me anyway because i'm not getting rid of mine um but useful for you guys hopefully anyway if you're thinking well what, what shall i get you know i've got some money in my pocket but probably not as much as i did or you know looking at the alternatives a sub twenty thousand pound box day is a great shout i had some feedback actually as well on the channel and the podcast about audio 
Um, I've always encouraged feedback and I'm always quite polite if you you know put a comment in the comment section on one of the videos and it's constructive about how to improve the videos I'm all ears um, and one of the bits of feedback was around audio and a friend of mine reached out and said the audio balance between some of the music and then some of the speech and the audio uh, was there was a bit of an imbalance so you get like a bit of a you know slightly louder for the for the music which is Look, that stuff's really important to me because I want to make the best content I can and keep doing the best I can and keep growing and keep, you know, so so it's more interesting for you. So, you know, where you do see things like that, I'm going to try and fix it. And also there was a conversation that was about miking and exhaust up and some technical recommendations around what I can do to kind of make that better because, you know, especially for me anyway, sound, especially exhaust noise or engine noise, like a big part of the emotion that is attached to these videos is comes from that you can have these beautiful shots and everything but if you don't really get anything in terms of volume back or audible you know you can't differentiate between one car to the next it kills it for me so um so yeah lovely that really loved it please do shout out and let me know if there's any other bits of feedback you want to give me um you can email me at info at info info at reengineering.com and pop me an email and let me know what you think obviously i love nice feedback as well so if you want to do that or if you want to leave a five-star review or any review on apple podcasts all helps um harris classics and their um, collecting cars now ian harris i've known for a good a year 18 months um really 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 lovely guy um we keep saying that i'm going to shoot over to his in um in sort of the Oxfordshire area and, and sit down and do a proper heritage because he is Mr. 964. He knows everything about them. Um, really just is so knowledgeable. And so he's got like, you know, a huge suite of spares and in a, in a storage area and, you know, his cars come and go. And even recently this week, he's been working on, um, collected a, a Targa, beautiful foresty green. I'm not quite sure what green it was, but beautiful Targa. And then, what in the space of like a week and a half had sent it to a detailer ripped the interior out and swapped it for black leather sports seats put some 1552 magnus walker wheels on it and set the ride heights to kind of rs ride heights it is amazing what you can do with relatively little uh changes and make such a big improvement to a car so he's like a proper legend that guy um and one of the cars that he'd had probably for about probably eight weeks something like that just before christmas i think he bought it we both saw it at the same time and it popped up i'll tell you what it is in a second but on i think it was car and classic which in the uk is like a it was a, a proper magazine you know or a, um uh yeah it's a magazine and and in there you could list cars in a really old school kind of way well that obviously now is online and um in Europe, I think I think I want to say Holland or Belgium. I can't remember. I think it's Holland. Um, there was a nine one two six. So nine one two had loads of mods thrown at it. It's a proper little outlaw in an olive green, um, and someone put a, a nine eleven engine in it. Uh, five dial dash, wicked cool car. Um, louvred side windows. You know. I know when he got it, there was some work to do and you know, the world's most noisy exhaust. I mean, I'd have been fine with that, but it, I think even me, for me, it might've been a little bit too noisy. Um, and he jumped on those sorts of things. 
obviously, you know, he, he's in sales, and he wants to retail a car, so it was important to him to kind of maintain the level of equity in it so he didn't come out of it the wrong way up. Um, but it was really fascinating to see him, again, what he did with that and kind of just tweaking it, getting it fixed up, getting the engine running properly. It was still missing like heaters inside. Um, there were lots of little bits and pieces that would have needed to have been done after someone bought it. Um, but that's one of the first cars I've seen where I was like, oh, I wonder if I could get rid of my Cayman and go and buy that. You know, there's not much in it in terms of price and it could probably stretch to it. I didn't. And I even messaged him a couple of times like, I'm really thinking about it. Um, now, I know in my heart I would have regretted it because want, I'd want both, not one or the other. Um, but uh, And it went on collecting cars. He kept it for a little while. Clearly, there wasn't anyone that was kind of super, super keen on it like I was. Um, and yeah, went on collecting cars. And that car sold just a few days ago for 34,000 pounds. Now, that to me seems freaking cheap. You know, like I, you could not have built that car for that. And you definitely couldn't have, you know, done some of the work he did to try and tune it up and, you know, get it into a really usable state so it was a bit more reliable. But yeah, whoever picked that up of collecting cars, you know, A, I wanna know who you are. Um, if you are listening to this by some chance, um, reach out to me either DM me at Rengineering UK on Instagram or, or ping me a message um, info at Rengineering.com let's pick the conversation up because I'd love to know what your plans are for it I think personally I would have whipped off it had some door decals that were kind of numbered door decals like a round door with uh, I think it's like the number 31 or whatever it was in it I think they slightly detracted from the car I think it would have been better being an overall colour rather than having those on but again like it's like when you go and view a house and someone's painted a wall that you don't like the colour of. Like, who cares, you know? It's a vinyl decal, just take it off. Um, yeah, so... Uh, I feel slightly bitter because I think it would have been a great fit for me. It would have been a great first air-cooled car for me. Um, but, you know, I've got other fish to fry at the moment, like most people. Life's changed ever so slightly with in interest rates and mortgage rates rising and the cost of living being more expensive than it was. And maybe I could have probably stretched to it a year ago but um you know I, i'm sensible like the rest of the, uh, the uk at the moment and just being a little bit more cautious so it wasn't for me but whoever you are congratulations that was a steal um and i know ian feels the same way in fact i mentioned to him that this episode was going to go out and he said he'd give it a listen as well so very interesting what else um so so i'm going to talk about something here that is um I'm going to be, I'm going to protect the names involved, right? Because I don't want to call anybody out. But I find it fascinating. And that is tribes within the Porsche community. And I want to know from other people around the world what it looks like in different parts of the world in terms of Porsche tribes, right? So clearly you're going to get some differences with if you've got like a bunch of air cool people or a bunch of like 914 guys or you know 924s or whatever it is transaxle in general or you're going to get the i've got a brand new turbo s you're going to get those groups of people there's going to be all sorts of people but what i've always hoped for and what definitely what engineering stands for and legends drivers club actually is unity it going beyond kind of what car people own or, or even reasons for and how people own their cars and what they do with them it's really no one else's business as far as i'm concerned it is just if you can sit there you know i don't care if you 
have a you know a car that you finished a project of it's perfect and it's static in your garage and all you really want to do is just sit in it and think wow this is an incredible piece of art i don't care as far as i'm concerned if you love the brand and you have enjoyed you are enjoying your car that's enough for me conversely if you have a I don't know, Carrera GT, and you want to go and rally it around a, um, you know, tax the rich style, rally it around a car park or through, you know, a hedge or into a farmer's field. Again, look, you pay the money, it's your car, you do what you like. But the important thing is, it's there's a lack of judgment, either, you know, either way, right? From the kind of the most junior Porsche car with the kind of least history and the least expensive all the way through to that 918 or Carrera GT guy that's that's clearly doing incredibly well for themselves and can afford to be kind of a bit blasé about the ownership experience. Sadly, doesn't always translate, right? And sometimes you find that people disagree in the community and then they start taking pot shots at each other. Um, and that, for me, it instantly becomes sad. It instantly kind of, I step away from that I don't want to be involved in it you know it's I'll, I'll attend any porsche event because there's you know it's a porsche event and all sorts of people go to these things but definitely what i don't want to do is stick my kind of hand up and go cool i i'm supporting a type of narrative that isn't anything other than inclusive right so um and and someone reached out to me again like i said i'm not going to say who that was but they are quite influential in the porsche scene and it was interesting to get their take because they wanted my feedback as to what they what I thought about the whole thing. Um, so we had a private conversation and it was really interesting to get kind of a sense of a sense of kind of not just my because that's my thinking, right? It's 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 it has to be open, it has to be inclusive. But again, if you if you've got something of a community or you're involved heavily in a community and that that's structured slightly different um, or not as I found out later, um, it's important that that's translated. And I'm keen to know what happens in the rest of the world. So in America, you've got uh, Porsche Club America, PCA, um, you know, there's places all over in Germany, there's all sorts of different groups and things. So yeah, it'd be interesting. It's, it's tricky, isn't it? Because people want to feel exclusive and they want to feel like they're, you know, their car is special or they, they have a standing in the community or whatever it is. I know mean, it's all bullshit to me, but um, yeah, it's it's interesting. So do drop me an email and let me know what your thoughts are on that about the community, about kind of you know what you see is important. Is it okay to create niches within the community? Is it okay to start kind of separating groups out, or should we just all be kind of in it, you know, to support each other and and for the love of the brand? I don't know. You tell me. I know how I feel. I've made that pretty clear, but I'd love to know what you think as well. On that note, I'm going to wrap up and I'm going to hand over to um, a pretty short Your Porsche story. And it was a bit of a disguised Your Porsche, can't even speak, Your Porsche story. And that's back from uh, Boxing Gas last year. Um, and there was an older chap, and, I, and I'm afraid I didn't even get his name at the time. It just managed to, you know, I asked him for permission to record the conversation and he was happy with that. But I didn't get his name. But he was probably in his, I would say, 70s. Um, and you know, I stood there kind of doing a piece to camera, I think it was at the time, and he kind of 
was watching that and then popped over and said hello which is always lovely um definitely do that if you see me at an event obviously don't interrupt me if I'm in the middle of a flow or kind of talking to somebody on camera but by all means any other time it's all good um yes so it was interesting to get his take on his Porsche experience and some of the cars he'd owned and but but from a from someone that's more mature right someone that's kind of lived and breathed those things for a long time and what they've kind of found both in the car community in general and his own Porsche so that's what's coming up um, in your Porsche stories I nearly forgot one of the best pieces of news actually and that is Porsche in the park and I mentioned this uh, last couple of episodes but it's developed a bit further and we've got some locked in um, guests now so I'm talking about one of the best Porsche events of the season absolutely amazing curated by a lovely guy called Robbie that I've been talking to for quite a while now um, and Robbie reached out and said that we should do something together and what, what should that be um, after a bit of a kind of telephone conversation a bit of a telephone conversation over an hour um, we came to the agreement we should do a live event. So I'm going to be doing a tech talk and a heritage conversation. The heritage conversation is still being worked up, so I can't quite release that, but I'm finally able to talk about what the tech talk is because we've had confirmation. So think of PA across the entire play, you know, the entire show at the time, and it'll be one of those, if you again, if you've been over to engineering on YouTube and you've watched like the Frank Cassidy episode or a Barnsport episode on Geo or whatever it is much in the same vein so a nice sit down conversation with me them and the audience being kind of a third person in a pub table that kind of thing um, and that's with Hartech now if you're not in the UK you might not know who Hartech are but if you're in the UK and you well even if you don't own a 996 or 997 or even a 986 or 987 um, you're going to probably recognize the name. Hartek are the go-to people if you've had the, a very unfortunate experience of four score. Um, they do way more than that, but that's probably what I would say that they're best known for. So that sit-down conversation is going to be, again, a standard sort of 45 to 50 minutes of me kind of learning about that Hartek, learning about the people behind the company, and getting some of those real truths, not the kind of the stuff that you hear on the internet, not the kind of, you know, my mate can do it for half the price. We're gonna debunk all of that about um, what a heartache build actually is, does, and what value it offers you. So if you've got any questions that you want me to ask Hartech on that live event at Porsche in the Park, again, send them over to info at And if you wanna be on your Porsche stories, you can also uh, just let me know what sets me up. If you're in the UK, chances are I'll come to you. If you're outside of the UK, um, unless it's in Germany between the 22nd to 28th of April, um, it will be over soon. Thanks so much though. Uh, for now, here's me talking to a lovely older gent at Boxing Gas uh, Megaphonics 2023, and I'll catch you back up at the end. I put it on piston heads for about 28 grand. Uh, sorry, 48 grand. And um, guy came along, had one call on it, piston heads. Yeah. And um, he came along, had a look at a car. He said, Would you accept 45? I said, Yeah, that's a fair offer. So he said, um, Do you mind if I have it checked over? I said, Well, I respect you to that kind of money. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. But he said, I won't be chipping you on the price. Wow. 
So you knew straight away it's someone sensible, yeah. <laughs> so I went to a specialist at Colchester, they checked the car over, gave it a good uh, good thing of health. It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't a pup. pouring out of oil everywhere, you know, yeah. and uh, the guy knew what he was doing going around. Because the gearbox was always a little bit oily, he missed it, and he said, yeah. <laughs> Sort of porous box, you know. Yeah, yeah. What was this? What was the spec? Because it must have been pretty decent. It was Carrera two, which, yeah. which is not a tip, right? It's a manual. No manual. Right, good. Manual, manual, five-speed manual. The only thing he got on it was power steering, ABS. Yeah. Something. Color? Color was midnight blue. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's probably part of it. We like grey trim. That's a nice. Now the nine nine seven is Arctic silver with grey leather. Right. Yeah, but you missed that even though you got your 997. Yeah, I think because I can't really do anything on it. Right. Okay. And had you modified the 964 then? Did you? Yeah, I fitted a cut pipe on it and had it chipped, and it sounded gorgeous when I just got the Porsche Club. You know, he comes with his shiny noisy 964. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for you. But it went well. You know, took it to Le Mans a couple of times. Yeah. Le Mans Classic or? Yeah, yeah, the Classic, and also the other one. Yeah. Good for you, dude. And you still are you still driving your 997 flat out, or are you kind of more sedate and relaxed these no, days? No, I've just uh, had it back from the workshops after spending fighting with some money. You Have know. you? What <laughs> yeah. needed doing on it? Uh, got a leak in rear main seal. Okay. All right. IMS seals leaking. Drive so shafts leaking. RMS, IMS, the lot. That's it. Yeah. So it's uh, so that's all done. So who was it that did the work on that? Oh, that was. Um, Porsche Specialised uh, Services at uh, Romford. Okay. Uh, cool. Yeah, yeah Broxhill Road, and I used to live in that area. They were two guys that originally yeah. worked for Design 911. Oh, right, cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I'd always got my parts from there, you know. Yeah, yeah. Always found them very helpful. And uh, so they sort of got in a partnership there, so it, it goes there. Nice. And they're very good, you know. They, at least they tell you if there's going to be a horror or... You can brace yourself. That's it. Good. And I usually say to him, I said, obviously we're going to look forward to a long relationship with you. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, yeah. it's going to be an all right that's one. Right. You won't have to worry that's about right. it. But yeah. Good. Thanks so much for the chat. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, you're very welcome. Nice one. Take it easy. Yeah. All the best to you. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah, they're nice, Mr. Kidd. Palomar can't understand it. You know, he's got his old TRZ. If you need to ask, mate, to drive one and then come back and. But you so before the nine six four, do you have anything else other than do you Porsche? Is that, is that your first yeah, one? Yeah, well, was actually, it? in between when I sold the Porsche, and then during the lockdown, I bought a nineteen sixty TR four. Though that fortune. Ah, uh, okay, on. right, right. That's the Triumph. But I didn't really. It was all right. Um, but of course, I sort of pal of mine who used to do Formula 3 racing. Mm. So I don't I said, I can't get on with this. I don't know what to do with it, the body fit. I said they weren't that good when they were new. <laughs> Car gaps are huge. Especially because it's the whole clam front, isn't it? You're like, you two latches on the side and you lift the whole front up on the no, TR4. No, no, no. no. I mean, to adjust the, the, bonnet, the bonnet gaps, you've got to take the, um, the wings off. And adjust the inner wings to get it. Have you really? Wow. I tried doing that. But, uh, yeah. So I ran that, got rid of that. You know, what did I have before that? I had a TR6 that I re rebuilt. That was lowered, balanced engine. 
quick bit of kit. Mm. Sold that. That was when everything crashed. That was in the What's late? 90s, yeah. 90s, yeah, yeah. So, XJ6 manual, salute, XP Scarper. Yeah. Peppy. And I bought that for neighbour for 100 quid. Bloody hell. I must have been mad. And I had this you were mad. You could have ripped his arm off, that. Single garage. Yeah, well. I had the engine out of this. I'm going to do it now. I had the engine out of The engine box out there. It's a big ass engine Rain as well to try and get it. Yeah. Um, it's one of those ones you get to a, you put it on a, a beam in the garage and it pulls the beam down out of the garage. It's so heavy, isn't it? Huge. A friend of mine, he said, oh, that's all right. He said, put it on my work, mate. I said, I don't know about oh, it. Oh, I don't think it's going to work. No. Mate, just watch the work, mate. Crumple. You just literally <laughs> fold in like a bit of tin. Uh, <laughs> bloody hell. What happened to that in the end, anyway? Tin worm or is it? No, I sold it. I sold that. I bet you got more than 100 quid for it. Yeah, I did. I spent, I re repainted it. Did that. Um, yeah, I think I got about 1,600 quid for it. Oh. Actually, in those days, uh, way back, um, a, lot of, a lot of the guys in the parts department, from the Leyland and Jacob, what, what should we say, were a little bit enthusiastic. Light, light, parts yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, the thing, the fingers were a bit sticky. Have to the house. Right. Drop some. We ended up with new SUs. Jake's cold stuff. Bloody hell. Our bearings. Not bad. Well, it's nice to chat to you, my friend. I've got like a. Because I've got to try and get some footage and some other clips and things I'm going to have to shoot around. But okay, nice to meet you, mate. And you. Take it all easy. Best. And all the best. Cheers. <clears throat>well i hope you enjoyed that episode uh again standard for me saying that uh, i do i really do i really hope you enjoyed that episode uh it's again lots of me lots of waffle if you want to watch kind of the more curated bits and pieces they are out there on youtube right now or any of the previous episodes you can get on any podcast streaming service for now though i hope you're having a lovely week um please don't hesitate to reach out if you want to have a chat with me uh, i am just a normal guy um, with a podcast and a YouTube channel. So all good. I'm always happy to hear from you. Uh, have, have a lovely week and I will see you on YouTube on the weekend on Sunday or back here every Thursday on every podcast streaming service. Take care for now. Bye-bye.